A few years ago, when I coached my seven-year-old sons and their basketball team, I tried to teach the group a couple basic plays, where to line up, and we went over it. We made sure they remembered it. We ran it live in practice, and they did all right. We wanted to look organized when they took the court. But then the game came. The whistle blew, the ball got tossed up, and chaos ensued. Some of the kids were so excited in the moment, they lost all direction. And ever since that experience, I've been trying to get better at figuring out what kids can process, at what age, and how I can be a better coach. So when I saw a book entitled, To Be a Better Coach, a guide to, for the youth sport coach and coach developer, I thought I better read it, and I did. And I'm happy to say that the authors are here with me today, Drs. Lori Gano-Overway and Pete Van Mullum. Welcome to the Youth Sports Experience. Thanks for having me, Mark. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Mark. Really excited to share with you what we, what, we, what we put together in this book. So glad to hear you read it. Yeah, so clearly when I read it, um, you guys put a ton of time into this, did a lot of research. Uh, you hit all different sports, got input from people. Um, you both have backgrounds working on various levels you know, with coaches, coaching yourself, your professors at outstanding universities. So what inspired this book? I'll go ahead and start, I yeah. guess. Uh, Lori, you know, Lori and I had worked together on, um, as part of a task force for the National Standards for Sport Coaches, which Lori chaired. And during that process, I think we had, we had, had some conversations, um, sorry, informally about, it'd be really nice to put this into more of a book form that, you know, the coaches could digest and understand some of these concepts that we were working on with the standards. And so Lori and I had met and talked about that and then sort of an opportunity kind of presented itself through the United States Sports Coaching um, um, Association there that Lori's really involved with for a um, book series. And so that's, it sort of just sort of evolved a little bit and maybe Lori has a little different take on that, but that's kind of how I see it is sort of evolved from this other project into something that we thought we could, we could put into this format, so. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're right on with that, Pete, is that what we really wanted to do was be able to blend knowledge and practice. And so an opportunity, as we looked at other books, what we saw was that there's lots of good content, but you often didn't see how it was put into action. And so one of the things that we were really trying to emphasize with this book is lots of examples of, of coaches, how coaches would use this information and, and how coaches could reflect on this information. And as Pete mentioned, um, uh, I'm involved with the United States Center for Coaching Excellence. And, and so they were kind of uh, focused in on this notion of coach development as well. And so um, we targeted not only towards coaches, but also towards coach developers. So how could a program administrator at a youth sport academy or an athletic director at a high school help their coaches by sharing these practical examples or by using the reflective questions to, to kind of guide coaches through the content uh, of improving their own coaching. Um, what I thought sets the book apart is it's dedicated or directed at youth sports coaches. I mean, there's a lot of books out there, you know, by professional coaches, you know, high level college coaches, which is more about coaching adults, higher stakes stuff. What sets coaching youth sports apart from that adult world? 
Yeah, I, for me, I think it's about recognizing that what you're trying to do is build in for kids a lifelong desire to be involved in physical activity and sport. And so that you're trying to ignite them to be excited about participating in, in the sport and to engage in it for a lifetime because they recognize all the great benefits in terms of physical development and life skill development. And it's just a fun experience. And so I, I think that the emphasis for the youth sport coach is really about kind of lighting the fire and providing fundamental knowledge that will help an, an, an individual continue to be involved in sport. Yeah, and I would, I would just echo what Lori said, although I would add that I think the need for, the, what you're hinting at, Mark, is the need for some of these resources. There's a lot of resources out there for coaches, and, and I think there's still a lot, of res- there's a lot of resources out there for youth coaches as well in different areas, and I mean, not necessarily the book, like you find a book just on it, but I think it's accessing those resources, um, knowing where to find them. And I think one of the things that, you know, you have a lot of youth people involved in youth sport, getting involved in youth sport, like yourself, you mentioned, you know, before we started, but, you know, coaching your kids, I mean, just, where do I go? Where do I find that information? And I think um, that's, that's kind of what we hoped this book would help as well. It's just, you know, provide, it provides really an overview. There's a lot of information in there, but it speaks to that youth coach. It also really speaks to the high school coach. We think too, it goes in a little more detail there. Um, and there are concepts that do translate to the other. Uh, I think, you know, there are a few concepts that translate to other areas of sport or other, other even college level coaches. It's just not written for them, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know how old you each are, uh, I'm 51, so I've seen a lot of change on the youth sports landscape, especially since I've become a parent. It's very different than when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there was very little structure by comparison, much less adult involvement. Um, and today, it's almost like the professionalization of youth sport to some extent. And I'm telling you, I've been places where I've seen people show up and the program is such that it's almost treating them like they are little pros. I don't know if you've come across this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it is this notion that um, seeing you sport as a pathway to uh, gaining extrinsic rewards, right, in, in the sense of um, getting a scholarship or um, going on to the pros and you have to start at a very young age in order to do that. So there's that notion of the profes- professionalization that we have seen in terms of a shift, right? The move from the recreation community-based programs towards more of a, of a business model. Um, and so there is some change that needs to take place in terms of, of the youth sport. Um, but I'm also intrigued by the other thing that, that you noted in the sense that kind of this idea that anybody could coach, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That you just pull a bunch of individuals together and that anyone would be involved in that. And so I think a positive shift is this idea that, um, 
there's there are some knowledge and skills that are needed to be a quality coach at the youth sport level. And people, I think, are starting to recognize that in terms of uh, particularly with, you know, the physical and emotional safety component that's coming into play. But Pete, did you want to add to that? Because I've got another thing that I want to say, but I thought I'd give you an opportunity to kind of chime in with that professionalization piece. Yeah, I think what we see out there, we see this professionalization part, but I also think we can't forget that there's so many kids that just really want to play an opportunity to play. And there's so many coaches working with kids that in those situations too. And I think, you know, I think, I think our book helps with that. I think it guides the coach to kind of understand what setting am I working in and and why am I, why do I want to coach? And then am I in the right setting for what I want? And so I don't think there's anything wrong with some of that professionalization or some of those things. I think there's some area for that. There's a place for that. But I, I always like to think we don't want to forget that all these kids that you just want that, maybe that same experience we kind of grew up with um, as I'm pretty close to the same age as you, Mark. So, um, you know, I mean, that same experience for me, but I think that that's still there. And so I, I think helping coaches recognize where they kind of want to be, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I just to kind of piggyback on that is this, this notion that youth sport is a business and what individuals are doing is they're trying to market how their business model is more beneficial than another business model. And so a lot of times I think what individuals do is that they move toward the thing that seems to be very tangible, which is, you know, winning, which is, um, you know, the, the number of scholarships that are offered to their athletes, the number of athletes that they have on their team that go pro, um, and so I think that there's start there's a movement afoot now for individuals to begin to think about not only those tangibles, but let's take a look at you know what what's the retention level like for our program. Um, let's look at uh, the enjoyable experience that the youth are seeing. Let's look at the level of improvement that's being made from the start of the, the season to the end of the season or uh, across seasons. And so trying to take a look at those other things that require a little bit harder work to assess, but are really impactful in terms of noting that your program is a successful program. Um, so I think that there is that movement that's starting to take place that there's kind of um, a retaliation, I think, a little bit on that professionalization piece and sort of moving back to more of a holistic approach to athletes and starting to um, be accountable and think about how you could do that better. Yeah, I think I can speak for soccer and youth soccer. I mean, I had to take licensing courses before I could you know, even coach like a low level you know, for my sons. So that's encouraging because uh, we're now getting better soccer coaches, I guess, as a result. Uh, there's so many dimensions to coaching, right? I mean, and you, you've talked about it and the book addresses so much of it. Uh, there's the retention part. You want the kids to have a fun experience, but coaches also have to help skill develop. They have to help the players get better. They have to help them uh, learn tactics. And when you think about coaching, have you seen consistent qualities across different sports that make coaches successful in those areas? Well, I think a, I think first of all, just a desire to teach the sport and teach the game, teach the fundamentals, because that's not that's not a given. Um, just because someone's a coach, that they that's what they want to focus on. So I think good coaches, 
especially, you know, talking about youth level, definitely have to teach the skills. And I think desire to want to teach those skills and learn how to teach those skills and get better at teaching them is a big part of it. I also think that passion part is really important. A lot of us get into coaching because we're passionate about the sport. And so sharing that passion um, with the youth and, and being, you know, demonstrating that to them that you, you know, how much you enjoy the game is a big part of that. So I think those things really do are two key points. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think that it is about having a passion for um, your sport and having a passion for, for teaching. Um, I would just say also the other thing is like working with kids mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, and understanding kids. And I think that is, is really important is to think about um, that there aren't many adults and so really focusing in on how they're differently different in terms of their cognitive development and physical development, I think is also important. So let's say I'm a parent and I'm going to start coaching my kid's team this fall. I know I'm already signed up. I've committed. I've got the responsibility. What's your advice to me? Well, I, I, think, um, I think the first thing is work with your organization. I mean, if it's under an organization, you know, if, if they're, they may, they may require like your soccer license, or maybe they don't, but maybe you can you know, work through them. What do they have resources for you? I know a lot of organizations, you know, have those resources, some are required, some are not, but I also think sometimes we don't think about, or coaches getting into it, don't think about that. There's a lot of national associations for coaches and groups. Uh, and there's also a lot of regional associations for coaches and, and within every sport. So every sport has a, an organization that supports it. And if you go to any of them, whether it's national fast pitch coaches association, National Association of Basketball, most of them, all of them have youth, youth guidelines and support. Um, what would you add to that, Lori? Yeah, no, I think the first part is getting help, right? So if you don't have a lot of experience uh, drawing upon what uh, program administrators can offer, do they have um, set practice plans? Um, do they offer like a mini coaching session? Do they have a coach education requirement to, to help individuals get more um uh, background knowledge about coaching. And I just echo too that, you know, if we look at national governing bodies, that they are also offering um, program resources as well um, for, for coaches. And so access to those, I think, are, are really critical. I mean, the big piece, right, is, is, is to just think about making it developmentally appropriate. So recognizing that how you might have been Uh, exposed to the sport, maybe as a high school athlete, or thinking about things that you might have done in college, as a a parent of, you know, an eight, nine, 10 year old, things are going to be different, what you focus in on how you set up practices, it's, it's very different. So really hitting on making things developmentally appropriate as well, and fun. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be fun. <laughs> of course. Of course. That's why we gravitate to sports in the first place, right? That's right. They're fun. And along those lines, I think you can find some interesting ideas on YouTube. I mean, that was sort of my fallback. Oh, yeah. You know what? I would search for something, for some ideas, for something to do in practice. Um, you know, so let's talk about uh, you. The, the book goes into so many different areas, but I want to help my kids get better. You have sort of a, a protocol in the book where you go, you give examples of how to help kids retain better. Uh, could you share that with us? 
Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, in terms of offering effective demonstrations, and so it's one of the key areas if we think about teaching is, is that we want to make sure that how we are interacting with the kids is going to help them, one, focus on us and then also retain the information. And so um, we have a protocol that just emphasizes how are you helping with attention? How are you helping them be motivated? How are you helping them practice and then retaining the information? So it's just really critical to just make sure really simple things, right? Is, is that all eyes are on you, right? And then that you start with a, both uh, presenting the, the demonstration, both physically and then verbally, but making sure that it's really focused in on some cue points and then getting them right out to practice but then the key piece is giving feedback to help them further retain the information. Do I remember and, correctly that you suggested having them repeat the verbal command? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because what you want to do is you want to make sure that they have many opportunities to do that. And, and so, yeah, making sure that they're repeating those cues and then getting out to practice and then have them repeat it again. And then in terms of giving feedback, really focusing in on the thing that you just taught, right? And so a lot of times what coaches will do is that they'll give this great demonstration, they'll practice it for a little bit, and then they'll move right on to the next thing and then not come back to that particular piece or integrate it into the scrimmage that they might do during practice or short-sighted game that they might have the individuals participate in. So really giving an opportunity to really focus in on one or two things at a time when you're giving a demonstration and then emphasizing that throughout the practice in terms of giving feedback so that you can make sure that they are retaining it, getting it into that working memory and, and, and helping them uh, remain, uh, remember it over time. You good with that, Pete? Yeah, very detailed. Thanks, Lori. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're great, uh, Lori. If the, if if this doesn't work out, you got a future in voiceover work because your voice is just like very professional, very smooth. Uh, it's great. It's great. Um, tactically, teaching tactics is it the same thing uh, or is it different? You know, like I used my opening example when I tried to to teach my seven year olds, you know, a very simple play. They could do it in practice, but once the game started, there was just too much excitement, you know, between the parents on the sidelines and, you know, chaos ensued. Well, I mean, part of that is, is, is implementing, you know, those type of tactical games within your practice or, you know, having more game type like situations, even in a youth practice where, you know, they have that environment. I mean, you're not going to mimic, you can never mimic a real, real event, especially for youth who are going to be you know, maybe distracted. Um, but as far as teaching some of those, you can break those down into, you know, smaller based situational examples of whether it's scrimmage based or, you know, using a specific drill or adapting, you know, certain drills that, and then adding either a little bit of competition. And, um, and there's a lot of information out there on that and how to do that. Not necessarily in our book, we talk about in the book, but I mean, there's a lot more information you can go find. And we have some things I think just to highlight for those listening here would be that, you know, resources in the book too, or there's, you know, footnotes, et cetera, that take you to some of those other resources. Cause obviously the book can't be everything. So, um, that was also one of our goals as part of the book. Yeah. I love the book. Uh, it's so well organized. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, helpful charts in here. I'm just, um, 
going through, I want to show one, uh, you know, like right there. I mean, stuff easily broken down, you know, well-organized that you can make sense of. Uh, you start the book off with knowing your why, why I'm coaching and why is that important? Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit, um, just because it's so important to know the setting you're in and, but also why, why are you doing it? And I think, again, I mentioned, you know, kind of, we get into it. I know just my own personal experience. I just got into coaching because one, an athletic minister asked me to be a middle school coach. I wasn't even thinking about it at the time, but it was also just because I was passionate about the sport of basketball and, and it was a logical kind of way to stay involved. Um, and so I think if that happens, I think that's pretty common for a lot of people. You have people also get into it because they just really want to be involved as a coach, but, but knowing once you get into it, then why are you still doing it? Um, because after a while, that that's going to change for you. And again, this is just a personal example, but I knew over time my why changed a little bit. It wasn't just I want to be involved in the game. It needed to adapt and evolve. And so I think it's a good reflection point. So I think regardless of where you're starting or if you're already starting, and Lori, I talked about this in doing the book, if you're already a high school coach, you pick up this book, thinking again, why am I still doing this is really important um, to make sure you're, again, in that right, that right setting. Lori, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you you really covered it there. I think the only thing that I would add to this is that the notion that understanding your why is what drives what you do on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's the other piece that we try to emphasize in the book is that, um, you know, it's one thing to, to say, I want to, I'm passionate about swimming. And so I want to give back in terms of, of, of swimming and, and give the experiences that I had to, to future athletes. Right. But it's another thing to really think about what am I doing in that situation? Why is this why, what it is, right? And so that planning part that comes in is that understand what is my why, holistic development of the athlete, but then also thinking about how am I going to do that, right? So the how behind that why that will drive what I do on a regular basis. And so for us, I think we're, our focus is to really try to help coaches be more intentional mm-hmm. about what they do. Um, and and it's, I think it starts with their why. I think you presented a good example in the book, again, if my memory is correct, uh, where your goal as a coach may not line up with that particular coaching opportunity. And, you know, for example, I think in the book, um, you know, if you're more interested in winning, well, your goal may not line up with the youth swimming or soccer program, you know, where the goal is more about fun, uh, retention, uh, and player development. So in the example in the book, I believe, I think it was a young lady who actually recognized that it did and did not take the job, which I'm not sure everybody would have that self-awareness. <laughs> no, and I think that's where we're coming from in terms of thinking about this intentionality is, is that you want to find a setting that works for you, but then you also want to make sure that when you're in that setting, that you align what you do and that you get everybody on board with that. I mean, one of the big areas in coach development and coach education right now in terms of trying to help prepare coaches is to think about transformational leadership and this notion of creating a vision for your program and being able to communicate that vision. And so it's really important to, to know your why and kind of coming back to that example is to share that so that all the staff are on the same page as to what the why is and what we're trying to accomplish. You mentioned emotional intelligence mm-hmm. as a quality 
uh, of coaches. And that sort of, I think, relates somewhat to your why. Tell me what emotional intelligence for coaches means. Yeah, so when we're looking at emotional intelligence, it's um, very similar to social emotional learning. And so some people may be familiar with that in terms of the term, but the reality is, is that emotional intelligence is thinking about how well you know yourself from an emotional standpoint. So it's about self-awareness. And so knowing what emotions that you're experiencing, knowing what triggers those emotions in a particular situation, being able to control those emotions um, so that when you're in the midst and one of the examples we use in the book, right, is, is that a coach in the midst of a competitive uh, game doesn't handle it very well because um, can't control those emotions and so provides a negative experience for the athletes in the moment. So being aware, being able to control um, and then the other side of emotional intelligence is really about being able to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And part of that is fostering your own empathy. So understanding what other people are feeling and then being able to have good interpersonal skills. So working on your own social skills. Um, and so it is about um, connection as well as awareness that comes into play. Sure. Sure. Um, I just had something pop up on my zoom. That was strange. (laughs) You move into the four C's of athletic development. Uh, Tell me about the four C's. Yeah. So one of the things that we look at in terms of um, coaching effectiveness, what makes a coach effective? And we recognize that they have to have some professional knowledge, um, they have to have some interpersonal knowledge and some intrapersonal knowledge and that deals with reflection. Um, but when we look at how then that applies to the athlete outcomes, it really focuses in on the four C's. And so thinking about how can we help athletes become more competent? So how can we help them with their skill development, whether that's physical, um, uh, tactical, technical, uh, life skills, psychological skills, or social skills. Um, and then confidence is that we're helping them build their confidence and their ability to engage in those activities and their confidence uh, to use them in a variety of situations, most likely sport, right? So they can use them effectively in a sport situation. And then connection. So how can we help individuals connect with one another and have a sense of belonging, but also learn to interact with one another? And then character. So how can we help individuals develop um, good character? And so those become kind of those four C's, uh, competence, confidence, connection, and character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You put an example in the book of a young coach who I think is beginning uh, their coaching journey. They're an assistant and they overhear because they're young enough, I think, to be around the players is what I imagine. And they overhear something about a possible future hazing incident. And then they're put in the predicament between the players who they're probably almost like peer-like with them, they're young enough. And then knowing what's right. And do I report this to the coach? Because then you run the risk of losing your popularity right? So that takes a really strong person. I think that's a real life dilemma that somebody could easily come across and it may not exactly be hazing, 
but they may overhear something and face that challenge. Um, is that something that comes with maturity? Uh, is that just what you talked about with character or uh, how do you address that example? Well, I think, I think it's kind of under, to me, it's a little bit under discussed, I think a little bit in coach development is that I think a lot of times coaches are, you know, again, you're young, you start out and you're put in a situation where, you know, you, your human nature is you probably want to be liked. I mean, I think that's sort of human. We want to be liked, right? So it to, to be mature enough to, to focus on what your job and your role is in leading young athletes. I think what you hinted at is that there's maturity level there. And I'm someone who started out as a very young coach. And I remember being purposeful to try to distance myself because I was so worried about that um, because it's much easier to connect with those athletes when you're so close to them in a way that may not be, you know, may not be positive either and put you in a situation like that. I think it's, so I think it's a real, I think a lot of it does come back to the maturity of, of, of the, of the coach, but I think we can, we can help coaches recognize their role maybe a little bit better um, and the power you have as a coach and, and understand that you have to, to keep that a little bit of a, fulfill your role and keep a little bit of a distance and leading the, your jars are leading those athletes, not being there, you know, not being their friend, uh, building an environment where you can have that relationship, but, but keeping that distance to, um, and staying focused on teaching them the game and helping them improve their skills. In terms of coaching and how we instruct players, you guys, I think, break it down into six different styles. Uh, was there one you found most effective or do different styles apply in different situations? Go ahead, Lord. Okay. Um, so yeah, so uh, these styles range from command type styles. And so, um, you know, just telling athletes what to do to more um, practice based where you give them a little bit of an activity to do, and then you're giving them feedback to help them try to improve to more learner centered where you're giving them an opportunity to um, create the environment, the things that they want to be working on. So a lot more autonomy that they're given in terms of, of, of working uh, with the athlete. And yeah, I think you're right is, is that it is based, uh, well, I, well, let me preface this to say that all of those styles are useful to use and coaches to varying degrees will use uh, those styles depending on what it is that they're trying to teach. Um, who the individual is that they're working with um, and the sport that they're in, in, involved in. Um, and so it varies and it's going to also vary from activity to activity. So there might be um, some activities where it's just going to be command. You're just going to tell them what they need to do right off the bat. And then they're going to start to do that. Whereas at other times it is an opportunity for them to discover uh, what they're doing. So you're placing them into um, a game-like situation where you have um, created some parameters uh, that will result in a particular situation bubbling to the top, and then they're going to deal with that. And so they're kind of discovering what they would do, and it can help with their decision-making capability in that situation to, to do that. Um, and so there might be a, a particular intention that you might have for, for utilizing that. Um, so it really just depends on, you know, what you're trying to teach, the purpose of that lesson, who you're teaching it to, and um, the sport that, that you're involved in. Pete, would you add um, additional pieces to that? I don't know that I add much more to that. I think you kind of hinted at the, the importance of the athlete-centered mindset, even in the I mean, in all the styles, I think that's really kind of is what 
you're hopefully trying to do, you're still keeping them in mind um, in the end. But I think that's the ones that you see a lot talked about right now, you know, as far as what the movement is towards. If we were going to talk about styles, we would probably, you know, gear people towards those more athlete-centered styles. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, right, if you have an eight or a nine year old child, you're not going to say to them, you know, necessarily, okay, let's talk about what your practice is going to entail, right? Versus if you're working with more of a higher level athlete, maybe at a high school level, and they have been involved in in training for quite some time, turning some autonomy over to them and having them contemplate and start to think about their uh, involvement in the program. Yeah, probably gonna use a little bit more of that. Right, so I won't keep you much longer. Um, I'm curious, have you guys watched Cobra Kai on Netflix? <laughs> I have not. People tell me that I should, okay. and I haven't. It's actually a, sort of a great coaching show. There's a lot going on there, but uh, maybe even if you saw the original Karate Kid, yeah. uh, you can compare the two coaching methods between Cobra Kai and Mr. Miyagi. So I thought that would be fun to ask you whether you approve of Johnny Lawrence's uh, coaching <laughs> styles, which it's actually great comedy. But I think honestly, like there's a little bit of Johnny Lawrence in all of us. It's a little bit of our yeah. spirit animal, you know, when you <laughs> when you see how he does it. Um, who are yeah, your well, fa- it, I was just going to say though, but as you, you know, having watched the original karate kid, um, the, the thing about this is to also just note that there are times when a command style is just needed in a particular situation and, and is okay to implement, but recognizing when it's appropriate. And this comes back a little bit to emotional intelligence, right? Is, is that if you're, if it's reactionary to an emotion that you're experiencing and you're not handling it well, and you come out command style, that might be problematic versus if the, the, the situation really calls for it um, uh, to be handled in that particular way. Yeah, the show's fantastic. I think you'd enjoy it, especially given, you know, the coaching part of it. Uh, do either of you have favorite coaches, you know, out there on the sports landscape? Could be somebody famous, could be somebody that I never heard of and, and why? You know, I, I, I think that for me, my favorite coaches have become the coaches you don't know. Um, I think there's so many coaches out there doing such a great job at middle school, high school, small college. Um, and so I'm always, I'm driven towards, or I guess follow coaches that I know are passionate, found their kind of found their why found their setting. I know that sounds, that's sort of me evolving over time into where I'm at now. When I look at coaches, I really admire the coaches that really have discovered themselves and, and have either stayed somewhere or maybe they move at the right time or whatever it is. Um, I think that those are something that we can really learn. We can learn from those individuals and we can gain from that to help coaches down the road. So, Mm -hmm. Lori. Yeah. You know, I mean, when uh, Pete and I were talking about who we're dedicating this book to, we're dedicating it to all those youth sport coaches who want to make a difference in athletes' lives. And so any coach who is going out to provide an enjoyable experience, that's going to help kids want to stay involved in sport. Those are my favorite coaches. Those are the ones that are doing it for the right reason. And they're really trying to help push, push uh, coaching forward in a positive direction. And, and so, yes, I, I think that there are individual coaches that either I've had or I've observed that I think are just great for different reasons, um, that they are just doing good work out there. Um, and so I, I don't have one favorite. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Mark, it's okay. I'd add, you know, I think you can, 
for those looking for coaches to, you know, emulate, or I think you can find them, you know, regionally and close to you. I think there's, if, besides looking at the media or looking, I think you can find those coaches. And a lot of times they're retired coaches that are just looking for, you know, to be kind of a mentor. There's a lot of those as well. So if you're looking for, you know, help that way, I think it's probably closer to you than you think sometimes. I yeah. think that's a great point. I know people like that. Yeah. And so. I was just going to say the other piece too, is to, um, if, if you're wanting to improve your coaching craft, right, is going out and observing other coaches um, to learn from them um, because we're, we're all in this together in terms of trying to improve the, the coaching craft. And so, um, you know, go out, observe someone else, uh, have them observe you, share information back and forth um, to try to improve your coaching. All right. I told you I wouldn't keep you guys that long. Last thing is, uh, where can people find you online, whether, uh, you know, you personally or any resources that you recommend and the book? Go ahead, Lord. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, I um, uh, teach at James Madison University. Uh, I'm in their coaching education program. And so that you can uh look me up there. Also on Twitter, um, trying to, to work on that social profile at Gaina Overway. Um, so available there. And uh, in terms of resources, um, obviously, you know, you can pick up the book. There are lots of good resources within the book to, to um, be able to help in terms of overall coaching. Yeah. And I'm at Lewis and Clark State College in Idaho. Um, not the one in, not the one in Portland, often confused here. So we're state college here in Idaho. Um, and I'm also um, on Twitter as well as LinkedIn. So you can find me there as well. What's your handle, Pete? Uh, it's at Van Mollum, Pete underscore Pete. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Well, I'm writing this down. So uh, thank you both for joining, for joining me here. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I told you I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I highly recommend it to people. And I want to wish you guys both the best in all your pursuits regarding coaching. So thanks for helping people out. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.